Hey, this is Jeff welcoming you to our final episode in the pilot for The Assembler, the uh, little experiment show that I was running to figure out what I want The Assembler to be. So, before we jump into the pilot, I'd like to say what the results of the experiment were. Um, I think the panel format that we had for the three-part pilot was interesting, having a bunch of people around a microphone uh, talking about issues that were important to them in art and technology was an interesting idea. Uh, I think it still might be right for a show called The Assembler. Um, that being said, I don't know if the show that I want to claim as my show where I go out and I... Uh, pursue ideas that interest me, and I try to present them in an interesting format with a unique voice. Uh, I don't know if that is this show or not. So this might be The Assembler, and the next episode we do of this may be a whole year from now. It could be a few months from now. I don't really know yet. I'm not in a position to take up a weekly show, is one of the things, by the way, that I've learned uh, through this process, um, is that maybe I need to hold off on doing a weekly show. So I think the Assembler will be back. Uh, I know it will be back because I do consider it sort of a, a tentpole of what I'm trying to do. I'm just not sure if it's going to be back like this uh, or if it's going to be something different or if I'm going to create uh, a new show that is something entirely different and continue the Assembler as a, a quarterly or yearly panel show like this one is. So... We'll see. Lots of interesting stuff for me to think about until then. Uh, in the meantime, I will say the next thing that's coming up uh, is we'll be re-releasing Art Technique Podcast. And these are the original episodes. I haven't changed them. I haven't altered them. Uh, and they will be coming out uh, on the same day they originally broadcast. Except, obviously, this year instead of uh, 2000 and... I think it was 12 and 13 that the original ones uh, aired. Instead, we'll be starting uh, the, the new old episodes, ha ha ha, on 2016, but the same day they were originally released. So, for example, if an episode came out in April 1st of 2013, then it would come out in April 1st of 2016. So, there you go. Okay, uh, without further ado, let's hop into part three where we uh, wrap everything up. We make a few recommendations for some interesting stuff that is out there, and uh, we send everyone on their way. So thanks for being a part of this little experiment, and I look forward to seeing you with whatever uh, incarnation this show takes on next. So I hope you join me then. Thanks. And our rights. I want Charles in charge of me. <laughs> I don't know the tune, but it's good. <laughs> I'm glad I got that. Okay. The words. <laughs> Well, welcome I, back. I know uh, words. <laughs> welcome back. We are we are in uh, round three, act three, whatever we want to call it. Uh, <laughs> Day three. Uh, of the show. Uh, <laughs> Let us out. You fucked us in here for three days. I'm going to for three days. This podcast will be in a nice three-act structure. That's right. As you can tell by uh, the Charles in Charge enthusiasm in the room, uh, we've had quite a lively uh, uh, act break. Uh, where's my coffee? There it is. We had quite a we had quite a lively um, act break, and uh, and um, I, I, I do want everyone to, to answer these the, the question that we posed right before, which was, "What are you really into right now?" But um, I don't want to lose this, Aaron. I, I'm not asking you to recreate a moment here, but I do want to say you had a really interesting philosophy about people making things, and if you just wouldn't mind sharing it.
I want people to make all the things all the time without judgment, without expectation, without um, need for it to be seen. Uh, I think that can can be a part of things. But I want everyone to be creating, whether it's in a, in a fan art style, whether it's in an original art style, whether it is... I am uh, the, like uh, the thing I compared was the coloring book craze that's hitting. It's this safe, protected way to be creative in this environment where we don't necessarily feel rewarded or protected, uh, allowed to be creative. We go and we get day jobs and we 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 focus on that, and uh, we should all be able. You know, you go into a kindergarten class mm-hmm. and you ask, "Who here can sing? Who here can dance? Who here can draw? Who here can?" X and and every hand in the the room goes up. You go into a third grade class, and a third of them go up. You go into a fifth grade class. That one kid who's been mm-hmm. taking lessons in that thing will raise their hand, and we all can sing. We can all dance. We can all draw. We can all write. Can we all do it on a level that is quote unquote professional? That's that uh, a, a major paying audience wants to see. I don't know. Uh, most of them are skills. They come with talents, but they are skills, and you can get better than whatever degree you start from. But that shouldn't matter. Go out, sing in the streets, dance if you mm-hmm. want to do it in your apartment where nobody sees, nobody judges. That's fine, too. Mm-hmm. But but do and create and build and, and focus on, on the creative side, the generation of ideas, of movement, of, of art, of structure of of any of that and then the second half of that that i was sort of getting the laughs at from from the group around me this is the bumper sticker Mm -hmm. i don't necessarily want to see it um but that doesn't mean i don't want you out there creating Mm -hmm. every chance you get and and finding chances that you don't get and doing it anyway and and so i'm really uh wanting more people to to do that thing that they like doing, but they can't do it well enough to do it professionally, so they don't do it at all. Or whatever that is, write, paint, sing, dance, do it, create, have fun. But isn't it funny that, because um, you brought something up about school, and I there was something I read uh, the other day that really struck a chord with me, and it's um, in in school, you know, when you're younger, you have to take you know, music and, and art and whatever. Um, and it's like, if you're not good at it, oh, that's okay. You're, you'll be good at, at something else. But if, you know, you're not good at math or science, then, oh, well, you're not smart or you're not trying hard enough. And, and it's sort of we don't set up our social structure. And it's sad to um, cater to everyone who, who thinks differently, you know. And it's like if you're really great at science and that's really your passion, then we should – you know, do that. But if if writing and literature and 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 music is really your thing, then we should give you the tools to explore that. And schools and education has sort of become about math and science and, and numbers and not about creativity. And so we've cut a lot of creative programs. And how sad that is. So people then have fear about creating because they were told, oh, well, that's not practical because if you don't know science and and math, then you won't be successful. And that's not how society needs you to be. And so we've created 
And thank goodness we've added, you know, STEM education has just re-become yes. STEAM education, which puts the A of art back oh, into... Oh, so you can download it on your Mac or yeah. your PC right. and but, you can uh, play uh, it. If the properties have approved it, yeah. Um, no, but STEAM education uh, reintegrates that that creative element, and I, uh, and I agree wholeheartedly, and add the element that, oh, you're not great at singing? Okay, we'll do it anyway if you mm-hmm. want. Oh, but you're really great at science? Right, do that as well. Right. You know, I saw... Uh, the Facebook meme, I'm sure everybody did, just the last couple of days, the old Navy t-shirts that said, I'm an aspiring artist, and then it was sort of stroked out, and it had um, astronaut or... Um, president. president. Or, yeah. And, well, the fir- very first thing is, the first time I saw it is I didn't see it as a strikeout of artist. I saw it as an augmentation of artist. Mm-hmm. And I apparently had a very different reaction. I was so excited about these shirts. And then I saw my Facebook feed explode by all my artist friends who were like, how dare they not be artists? And I'm like, well, being a president is being an artist and being mm-hmm. an astronaut is being an artist. And I saw it as, cause they weren't solidly stroked out. They had these paint smears across them and who knows what the original design was intending which, you know, perhaps reflects on the original design, but... <laughs> or, or designer. <laughs> or designer. We assume it's a committee because it's from... Well, I just want to raise the question real quick. So is the president, as an artist, performing uh, his art for an audience to evoke an emotional response? Oh, yeah. yes. You're always, you know, stroking those constituents. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes literally. Sometimes literally. Sorry, I derailed you. I'm sorry. It's, no, but I was just... I was interested that everybody saw it so clearly as a stroke out. I saw it as this sort of aug- this highlight on artist, and then the next level that you know I, I am an aspiring artist because I'm an aspiring president, not because I'm an aspiring astronaut. But I also I see where the other read comes from. But I I think it's 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 interesting in that uh, we do have this sort of divide that doesn't necessarily need to be there of, Mm -hmm. if you can't do it well enough, don't do it at all. Yeah. And go find the thing you're really good at. And I'm like, do both How are you going to find out if you're good at it? (laughs) Exactly. How? How? How are you going to find out if you're good at it if you're not making all these these mistakes and all these, I don't know, or or if you even like it? And I say this as an evangelist that I am still trying to live the life myself because, you know, you take Mm -hmm. me and ask me to sing in public and, and I shut down pretty hard. Right. Like the exact same uh, as it hire me as an actor and have me deliver these lines. And I'm like, sure, fine, whatever. But we're going to play this music under you while you do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and so I acknowledge I am still fighting this battle internally. Mm-hmm. I am not. I am preaching from the foot of the mountain, not from right. the top of the mountain. <laughs> but, but I mean, you're also, I mean, you're also saying it's okay to just try stuff. And, and, and we, we do get in our own ways and we do set up our own barriers. And I know that like, I'm literally the guy that made a video where I looked into a camera and I told you to do a thing. Like, and you, <laughs> you should just do, do the thing. And okay. You know, so what? So it's, uh, you know, there's a lot happening in, in our lives and it's not that easy to just do something. And that's true. It's not, but it's also true that, yeah, it kind of is actually, because if I'm drawing my comic every day and, and uh, I am unable to draw a page, or for whatever reason, life happens, and I miss drawing a page that day. Yeah. Okay, I didn't get a page out that day. I feel crummy about it. I do. I, I, I always do. I could uh, probably too crummy about it. But the thing is, is that like it really is as simple and as hard and as simple as the <laughs> next day. Well, go try again. Go go yeah. try to get the page out today. Did you do it? Some, you know, because you keep doing it. At some point, you're going to win, and you you are going to get the page out. 
And I like on that a it day. wasn't that you said the challenge, the, 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 the response is I have to get two pages out tomorrow. No. Right, no. no. The, the level is one page When I day. learned to meter myself that way, it helped a lot. <laughs> you give yourself <laughs> permission um, to allow yourself to have, have freedom that, you know, you don't, that you didn't grow up with, right? Like you give yourself um, permission and freedom to try something new or to forgive yourself for not um, creating the thing that day, but it will happen again tomorrow or something. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So uh, before the break, I uh, asked everyone to think of something that they're really into now that they would like people to know about or would like me specifically to know about that they don't think I would find on my own or they're not convinced that people are finding on their own. And um, I'd love to just find out what those things are. What, what are you guys into? I, I can start if you want. Um, yes. I'll start. Adam, Adam, I think you should check out uh, uh, two shows by John Roderick. Okay. And I will send you a link in the show notes. One is called uh, Roadwork, and there's a specific episode I'm going to send you. And uh, another is Roderick on the Line. Um, Roderick on the Line is a really, really great show. Um, there is no wrong episode to jump into. Um, it's just a phone call with, a, with his friend, uh, and, uh, and they kind of go all over the place. I'll try to pick one to get you started, okay. but understand that I'm literally just picking one out of, you know, this is just how the show is. So yeah. I'm, I'll send them to you, but I think you would enjoy his, his view on life. And I don't know that you would go find it on your own. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to send that to you. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So that, 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 that's, that can be how we play the game. So does anyone else have any ideas? I'm really into, um, Sea folklore again, um, Irish uh, sea folklore and folklore from um, different countries about uh, sea and sea creatures. Um, a while back, I was writing a play um, and I sort of got distracted with other things. But um, I recently got uh, a nook for Christmas and like have downloaded all of these new um, Irish stories and and things. And so I'm really excited about that and delving into to the land of selkies and Merrin and and. You know the Finfolk. Do you have a specific book recommendation out of out of those that you would like me to read? Right now, no, I don't. I just downloaded a whole bunch yesterday. I haven't like I like saw titles and I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool, great. Um, some of them are children's stories because I think um a lot of I mean, if you know anything about Irish uh, stories, is storytelling was really big, and so a lot of these have been adapted from other things, but just. Okay. Well, I'll try, to, I'll try, try to grab a list of books and I'll... Um, oh, you put them in the notes? The, the yeah. Books. So that's what's really... Yeah. Well, there we go. Selkie story. Selkies. I um, misunderstood the, the prompt, I the, think. Oh, okay. No, then just give me what you thought it was. That's fine. So I was hearing, you know, what are you into right now? And so I was thinking about my own work and what I'm into and what I'm looking for and in, in what I'm creating. And I have discovered very much recently, and this is perhaps a, a part of the, the battle against cynicism, is, is, is moments of wonder in, in, in experiences and theatrical experiences particularly because that's what I do. But, you know, I'm sure you could take this philosophy into visual arts and sculptural arts and written arts and all sorts of other forms and uh, presidency and um, what was the other one? Uh, astronauting. Astronauting. <laughs> astronauting. 
Uh, Sounds like yachting. Must, astro yachting. I, I imagine you could find a moment or wonder, of wonder or two while being an astronaut. I just it it, it seems like that's a possible. Have you, have you followed like Commander <laughs> Kelly's Instagram feed or any of their Instagram feeds up there? On no, the not regularly. I like I'll see it's one that it. you know when a post goes out that like gets the if gets you're the buzz if you're going. into that it's worth it just to just be forget the ones that make the buzz. Those are of course great, but just to every day see the moments of space. In your feed and to understand that that is contemporary and that is happening <laughs> and that there are real people taking that picture and like you are there and like it's a little nice little refresher every day. Fantastic. Yeah. So I am um, what I'm into is trying to find moments that get past a modern audience's cynicism. And and one of the ways I've been particularly exploring right now is I've been working uh, magic tricks into shows and not in like a stop the show, watch this magic trick kind of way. I almost want you to not notice the magic, like do something re- a, a big magic trick that's done so small and incidentally and tells the story that for just a moment, like even if it's a really obvious magic trick and you go, oh, he must have had it in his sleeve or whatever. But that first moment of, oh, that's that's the only moment I care about that. Or just you have that suspension and that moment of wonder, that moment of experience that gets past your guard. That's what I'm into right now. Because you did that in the last show you directed, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. In Sprucey? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it was a, a, it had some scriptural error issues, not errors, issues, sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Take two. It had some scriptural issues that needed some like smoothing out in my opinion and, and to have, the the kids and the adults, and and experience a a, a, a moment where th- where they're drawn in beyond their expectations, beyond the the uh, oh I know what's co- you know it's a Christmas story so it's all going to be resolved happily and this is going to and to just catch you unawares uh, for just a moment is, is really interesting and important to me and so that's what I've been playing with lately. It's like magical realism. Yeah, in moments, but um, where you only notice the realism, and the magical thing happens below the ra- the, the the awareness radar, and then you look mm-hmm. back a second later, and oh, that shouldn't have been possible. Yeah, but in the yeah. magical realism realm, um, and so I'm I'm very into that right now, and exploring that and how to utilize it, um, and what I, one of the things I've discovered particularly is. Using some of the theater for young audiences skills and and tropes, for lack of a better word, and moments um, that we trust kids will appreciate because they they watch the show they're seeing rather than the show they expect to see, mm. and forcing an adult audience to to break out of their habitual patterns and how they watch a show. And and getting them in those same sort of ways that we we allow uh, a theater for young audience show to to be explosive and vibrant and and weird and 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 impolite and and against the rules that we don't always necessarily again for sometimes commercial reasons sometimes for expectation reasons sometimes because it's not cool to be totally invested in this idea you have to be invested in the idea with a nudge and a wink. And so I've been playing with the ideas of bringing some of that theater for young audience mindset 
to an adult audience and inviting them to watch a show again in a different way. That was a good answer. Um, Scott, what are you, what are you into? Um, in whatever way you interpreted the question. Cause I, I like that. Cause that actually was one of the styles of answers I was really hoping for. Great. Um, I think one of the things I want to start doing with, with what I'm writing creatively is I am sick to death of man. That's really dark. That makes it good. Star Wars episode three was really dark. So that made it the best one. No, those two things are not necessarily <laughs> joined at the hip. I don't. I like watching Game of Thrones, for instance, in small doses because it is so morally ambiguous and it's very well done. But my life is morally ambiguous. There are times when, for all of us where our lives are dark and we have to turn on the news and listen to the evil that people do to each other every day. And when I am making something, I reject that reality and insert my own in a, in a way. And, and maybe that's pompous, but I don't, I don't care. Um, it's supposed to be something that's, that's, that's different. And so I don't have to deal with that for a while. And maybe that's a little escapist, but I don't care. Um, that's what I want to do without it being cheesy and hokey. And like, like you and Jeff and, and you, Aaron, were saying it's, it's cynicism is part of that where it's nothing can just be genuine and honest. It's like, Oh, you want to, you want to talk about how good will overcome evil. That's yeah. Okay. We got it. Right. Just as a, a for instance. Well, and yet you see something like the new Star Wars, which felt magical again, and to me anyway. Yeah. And anyway, that was, that's a derail. No, 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 that's fine. And that that's a, a good example of uh, of something that was that was put there, and it wasn't morally ambiguous. There were good guys, there were bad guys. Um, but they morally can, difficult, yes. People struggling can, with more difficulties, but not um, yeah. But sure. it, right. People struggling with it, but that's different from what you're presenting as the reality of everything in this universe is morally gray. There really is no good. There really is no bad. All of us just die. I'm not. It's not what I want to, to, to consume, and that's not what I want to produce. Certainly not exclusively. And when it becomes that this is what makes a thing cool right now, right. it becomes almost an exclusivity. There will There will be. I hope there will be stories that I tell that are that way, but I want those to be the minority because um, of things I do, because sometimes I do feel that way and I need to look at that part of myself and maybe everybody else, if it's there and, and, and deal with it and talk about it and, and whatever. But anyway, that's, um, that's kind of what I'm, I'm doing. Is there a particular piece of work, um, yours or someone else's, that you would recommend that I would check out that is a good I- example or, or even one that you know I've, I've seen that I could, should re-examine that you think yes, is doing it right? it's called Star Trek, huh. especially <laughs> okay. The Next well. Generation well. because Star Trek, it has a way of, of being optimistic and we can overcome our problems and – uh, that sort of thing without being hokey. It, it, it had a good way, I think, of, of getting into moral and ethical issues and talking about them. Um, and it was hokey sometimes. I mean, let's be real about it. But 
If this were Sarah and Adam's show, I would go challenge you to find a, <laughs> a piece of work that's not Star Trek that's hopeful. Because <laughs> I know it's out there, but like I'm, I'm interested in, in enriching is my it? own. I mean, yeah, I think it is. One of the it things, is. That's one of the things it they is. say about the reason Star Wars Episode Four did so well when it did because everything else at the time was, you know, Charles Bronson movies, yeah, and dark, Harry, gritty revenge sort of things. Know, yeah. Watergate had just happened, and all yeah. this sort of sort of thing, and, and in that Vietnam. And that was what the stories were being told. And Star Wars was clean, and it said, "Good guys can, good people can prevail huh. over bad bad times. You can do it." And Until the Force gets pissed off and wants to swing things the other way. That's right. That's right. The Force <laughs> is a temperamental bitch. Um, speaking of Adam, do you? <laughs> yeah. What? No. Uh, what's oh. something that's uh, ticking um, your clock these days? Something that's stuck in my clock. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about. Um, I've been gravitating a lot towards uh, watching a lot of foreign films again, uh, as you've probably seen popping up on your Hulu subscription. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> so um, it would be easy if you had a recommendation for me to check one sure. out. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, actually, yeah, I'm in the middle of one. I was talking to Aaron about it on the drive uh, last night, and I only got halfway through it before the cold medicine kicked in and I had to go to bed. Uh, but anyway, uh, one thing I really like, I think, about a lot of foreign films, and especially, I think it's generally been true of foreign films and um, each one, even newer ones, this one came out in 2015. There's, there's more reliance uh, uh, on the visual element of, of film and storytelling the the, the, the visual aspect of storytelling in, in foreign films, as opposed to relying on the dialogue so much. And I, I really like that and appreciate that. Um, especially one, because y- you know, you have to read, the words to understand what they're saying. And so, but, but I think honestly, most of the time, most of the films that I've sought out, you, even if those, um, um, subtitles weren't there, I feel I would understand what was going on. And, um, I don't know. I, I, just, I, I, I feel I gravitate more and more towards nonverbal sort of storytelling. Um, and and part of that is because of a challenge that I've got going on right now. We're about to start rehearsals for a new piece um, that was written through a devising class that I'm teaching at uh, Children's Theater of Charlotte with students. And uh, the the script has some challenges in the way it was created. It feels like there are sort of two kind of conventions going on that are kind of fighting each other right now. And we have three weeks uh, to rehearse it and figure it out. <laughs> and, to, and so I have to figure it out because I, you know, it's, it's a very short, intense rehearsal process. But that being said, I think maybe part of the reason why I've been gravitating towards these foreign films again in the last couple of months is because I knew as the script has been being developed, the problems were inherent there and try and working with the playwright a little bit, you know, well, what if we change this? And I think it got to a better place, but it is what it is. This is the script we've got. And so we have to put this script up, you know, um, and it may change at some point in the future. But so going back to that, it feels like um, being very intentional with our physical choices and telling, having, having this sort of very grounded sort of re realistic story that's being told about this girl going through foster care. But then there's a, this other sort of, um, inner landscape, monologue, dialogue, whatever that's going on inside her, and how do you communicate that? And so it's, it's, I don't know, it's almost like you've got two completely different styles of of language that that sometimes feel like they're fighting each other. But puppets, 
<laughs> we don't have time or budget for puppets. Oh. Unless I treat my actors as puppets. That sort of uber marionette. No, it, it, works. it works. It works. Let me... <laughs> Yeah. Who was the who was the Uber marionette guy? What was his name? I, I forget. Am, Mark, am, 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 uh, am, uh, you're right. Craig? Something Craig? Something Craig. Yeah. I remember Marriott. I remember his last name Craig Marionette. Name? Craig Muppet. No, I don't know. Uh, Craig Maxa something no. It was it was something German cuz yeah. Of course a German. Maximilian Maximus. So uh Craig Volkswagen. Okay. Got it. I don't know. I remember Jim Morrow, my roommate was really he really liked that idea. I don't think he embraced it and wanted to see it, but he just thought that was fascinating, and so he he really held on to that idea for a while. Yeah. So I think Uber marionettes are a fantastic idea. I don't think they're a fantastic idea to replace actors on a like straight across the board. You just like puppets with superpowers. Yes, and big puppets. <laughs> I like big puppets, and I cannot lie. <laughs> well, why why do you think Uber marionettes are are great? Hmm? Why do you think that's a great concept? I think for the right show, it would be fantastic. But I think that, you know, for me, puppets, you have to have, you can't just put a puppet in a show because it wouldn't be neat to have a puppet here. (laughs) But say you were doing an Alice in Wonderland script and in one scene you wanted to shrink Alice and you made her a tiny puppet. But in one scene you wanted to have Alice shrunk by making the entire rest of the cast giant puppets. That seems like it would be a cool, useful way to take bring in right. Uber marionettes, even if it was just the feet. <laughs> right. So big that all you see is her working around the, the feet of characters. Or if you're doing the Power Rangers musical and you can do a magic wand, make my monster grow. Yes. And, and then, then you switch out the actor for the Uber marionette. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What else is maybe cooking in your brain today? I, it was interesting. And this, this seed was planted like, God, within the first couple of minutes of us podcasting. Um, and we were the two names that were thrown out were Van Gogh and uh, Emily Dickinson in terms of artist. Oh, and yeah, so like days ago now, <laughs> so I, I know it was weeks, months ago. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, you know, my obviously my definition of art is one that has sort of intention behind it and has an audience and has a receiver to it. Um, Van Gogh's sort of circumstance is interesting because obviously he was a painter. He was seeking patronage. He found it in limited ways, but um, his uh, body of work was not really sort of uh, didn't catch on and didn't explode and wasn't sort of elevated until after he died. Um, And then Emily Dickinson in particular, her poems were for herself and sharing for her sister. And it was only because somebody pulled it out after she died that her body of work is sort of elevated into this sort of, you know, ar- artistic and literary canon. And so I just, I, I just, I've been rolling this around in my head and I don't, ha- I still don't have an answer, but is what Emily Dickinson did art then? Like, by your definition. By, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, I'm trying to fit it into my definition, so everyone else has their own opinion, so I'm curious to say. But here, I mean, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was just, I don't know. I'd never thought about that. Because so. you had said even if someone draws a picture and just gives it to you, you consider right. that she art. Was for her sister. But, but she, right. yeah. So, like, because, you know, like, someone, we were talking about drawing the picture, so I don't, you know. But I guess it was sort of that, yeah, cause, but then that was, I don't know, but then taking that conversation out of between her and that other person, you know what I mean? Her intention was never to share it with any 
person. The audience changed. The audience changed. Maybe yeah, that's yeah. that's a but she still did make it from an audience. I think there's a a, um, uh, a slightly different yeah. thing to explore of what happens when your intentions um, don't match the results. And for this, in this instance, like the the audience change, yeah. I wrote one thing for one person who I have a very specific relationship with, who will get all of my references and and again i don't think all of the poems necessarily were but that was the only person mm-hmm. that i think she shared with i think i, I may be mistaken she was uh i mean she got more and more um she came more and more of a recluse as, as yeah. time went on because she used to be very social she was into she went to like school for botany and stuff. I did a report on Emily Dickinson. That's oh, the cool. only reason Good. I know, I know this. Yeah. this. And like, and then I forget something happened and she just sort of something, some life event and she just, it was too much and, and she stayed around her, I think, her family home and like wrote these things and I, I don't think she was closed off from her family but I think it was just a way of her to like kind of instead of writing a diary, I guess she wrote these poems and, and they turned out to be a real treat but also if as soon as you put something out there, whether it's for yourself or not, then you've done your job, and then how people interpret it. But she didn't on. put it out there. She didn't put it out That's there, though. The it but she did. She put it in a. She put it in a drawer. So she like she got it out of herself, right? You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. she got it. Oh, okay, out into the universe. I yeah, know, yeah. She put it on, not like hey, look at this, the but like she. I was yeah, say, putting it in a drawer sounds like the least putting it out there way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, she got the ideas out of her head and yes, onto something. That, so yeah. like yeah, like out of her, and then at that point, it's sort of whatever happens, you don't have control over you know what i mean like we create all this art and stuff and then one day we're all gonna die so like what if we lose control (laughs) what if um bringing back to the george lucas thing tying all that together what if um uh you personally the, the the thing that you made that you not only liked the least but like fervently hated and put away in a figurative drawer somewhere became the thing that you were known for, that everyone loved. Your audience changed. Your intended audience was, no audience, this is garbage. And then everyone loves it. What, what, what would you do, theoretically, if you found yourself in that situation? And th- can we think of anyone who actually ha- I think of Christopher Robin. I think of A.A. Milne's son, oh. um, you know, because they were all based on his imaginary characters and... Christopher Robin, the the real Christopher Robin, uh, felt very violated from his father because it was like they were his story and his imagination. Um, but that A. A. Milne took it and created magic and joy for you know whatever. So I don't know. I just that related. Just, I mean, a little related. different than what I'm asking, but definitely related. I mean, but but something that you intentionally created that you actively and I don't know Christopher Robin's creative role in. The story, inspiration for it, yeah. I guess, or uh, maybe the motivation behind why those stories were created, because he was creating them for his. But horse. I mean, it's a good thing that yeah. you, it's a good thing that you brought up because it's a, it's a definitely a parallel idea of like you have to live with this thing that you never wanted, mm-hmm. you know. So you created a thing and you have to live with a thing you never wanted. Well, but I think you can always change. I mean, I think of, I think of Mark Wahlberg, who started out as Marky Mark in the. Whatever the Fresh Bunch, Funky Bunch, Bunch, Funky Bunch, whatever. Not the, the old gentleman school year. No, but like, uh, but you know what I mean. And and he started as that, and it was very comical, and and that was a certain fan base. And then or he Jamie, Jamie Fox, right? And so he evolved beyond that, and said, okay, well, yeah, I did that, but now I'm doing this now, and you know what I mean. So it's like 
Maybe I was just asking, what would make Bill Murray crazy? No, no, no. I, I, I think know. I have. I was trying to rack my brain, but I think I've got one. Jim Varney, uh, who was Ernest. Ah, yeah. Um, he was from Kentucky, and uh, I knew. I when I was living there, I knew people that had worked with him in summer stock and things uh, when they were younger. And he apparently was a classically trained actor and was known for doing kind of the Shakespeare circuit in a lot of regional theaters. And that was his sort of passion and his drive. And he wanted to be this serious, classically, you know, trained actor. That was what he, you know, and then he created this Ernest character and the Ernest character caught on. And suddenly he was nothing but Ernest. He could not book anything else because no one could see beyond this character that this one character he created and so he was kind of trapped by it and he was apparently incredibly frustrated by it he as he 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 got, came to peace with it i think a little bit as he got older but it was apparently very frustrating for him for years because mm-hmm. it was just this one little thing that he created and then you know they probably came at him with a little bit more money and said hey will you make this earnest movie okay i'll make this earnest movie Ernest goes to camp you know and okay i'll make this other one and then all of a sudden no one can see him as anything else so. But sort of that's he sort of that's his own doing because I mean nothing stopped him from going beyond I don't know like it's but my original answer and I was gonna say I have a very honest answer I would cash the check and do whatever I wanted in the afternoon right and you know that is a tell you know what if it's so what if it's so far into this beloved thing that it paints you into a corner more than I was envisioning where it was like yeah yeah that's one of the things I do and yeah we make fun of it and but I get to sleep on that big pile of money tonight. So, but you know, it does it. What happens if it gets to the point where it's intrusive and inhibitive Mm -hmm. of, of that other work I would do with all this big pile of money. Um, but I would like to, you know, if I wasn't able to continue as an actor because of some character I created, there are other creative venue Mm -hmm. paths that I am interested in. And maybe I could pursue one of those. Um, but I have a rather, um, uh, high high desire for somehow the work I want to do to be work that pays me ridiculously well. Mm-hmm. And that may not be the purest of intentions, but it's true and it's in me and it's But it gives you it enables you to do more right. work. But I also think we live in the generation now where where you like we were talking about we were tight we we everyone can create their own work now, you know? And and with social media as what it is now and whatever and YouTube, like anyone can, like actors who are well known for one thing, be like, yeah, let's get together and do this independent film. And then, oh, now I'm seen in a, in a different light, you know, and I would say like even 20 years ago, 10 years ago, we didn't have necessarily that outlet, but social media has sort of birthed a new way or whatever. I don't know. You never really would have thought Robin Williams would have been seen as anybody but more criminal work. Mm-hmm. But by the time... He passed. I mean, he was known as a as a a pretty good, serious actor with like you know, um, Dead Poet Society and and, and such. Yeah. Uh, Steve Carell is kind of getting into that area too, where he's gone from just being this kind of wacky comedian uh, into more serious roles that apparently are the performances are pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Carrey's. I thought the Truman Show was, was. I thought he did pretty well in it, but nobody really thinks of that when they think of a Jim Carrey movie. Mm-hmm. It's always, you know, Ace Ventura or or The Mask or some some wacky crap. Coming back to the old navy uh dust up, you know, the idea of the 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 uh, um I don't know why I'm getting so yeah, um yeah, the cutting through the the artist line. Um 
it feels like I think we're right. The assessment is that the general sort of culture is why should I invest time in this? I mean, that's the problem with school, right? You know, why why should I invest time in this thing that uh, is not what I'm not being graded seriously on or whatever? And so we don't allow ourselves time to play. But then when we get out, we have to survive. So we have to put time towards this, you know, a job. And sometimes even if we did have the mindset of, okay, well, let's just keep creating an art for art's sake and do it. You may not have time or desire or energy at the end of the day to keep on doing it. And so I don't know, maybe there was some, maybe there's some like shades of like, uh, um, privilege and you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm, oh, sure, I'm not sure, sure i'm phrasing the question quite right but um the realities of what you have to do every day to right, to, survive, to survive trump your physical energy ability to create ability to and so create, i've, no I've just seen a lot of arguments to. against that it feels like we have a generation of people where we're telling them to find what you love and if you're lucky get paid at it instead of saying get a job support yourself and if you want to make crap, make this other stuff. I just like the way you said that earlier, and I was disappointed you didn't say make crap. So I, I make lots of crap. Make lots of crap. Make lots of crap. That's what he said in between yeah. breaks. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, is that – it feels like we're telling people to wait. But don't you or think that a as a society there, right? we undervalue the arts? Like, yeah. like and, and so, like, why can't someone go out and get an internship and be paid what – you know, or – you know what I mean? Get a job doing a, with a theater company that is valued because across the board nationally, we undervalue the arts, right? Trying to get a job at a theater is a coveted job. But like, if someone were you know to be an intern uh, to learn how to study to be a doctor, yes, it is hard, but they still get paid because they're giving a service. But I also think the arts give a huge service, and we as a culture have devalued the arts, and so instead of I have to like work a nine to five so I can do my art. Why isn't that there aren't more nine to five jobs for the arts? You know what I mean? Like, why is it just a luxury? Why is art considered a luxury and frivolous thing when, when like half the things they teach in school with, with literature and and English are all derived from people who were creative. I don't know. Everybody wants to consume that stuff. Everybody wants to go home and turn on a TV and watch a funny sitcom or watch a, uh, a police drama or go see transformers five or or whatever everybody wants to, to consume that and it makes billions and billions of dollars every year but you're right nobody really wants to support the people that are doing that they just want the end product i think a lot yeah. of yeah Here, here's where i i think come down to come down on it uh, after this whole exploration of of today before we wrap up i think my problem with art if maybe not the problem but i think my problem with art is it is not assertive enough. I think, you know, remember when the writer's strike happened and your shows got all messed up and things like that, or, or that, uh, it's, 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 it, it is it all on us individually, but it's way more fun to, you know, pretend art is a person and blame, blame art. Um, you know, art, you know, get, grow some, grow some spine art, you know, and and show up and and demand to exist. And you know, if you make something and if you if you do something that is important to you that you're creating, um, I I think it is okay to to demand that that be a part of your life and, and that exists in whatever way 
um, you are capable of of demanding it. You know, dribble before a, a, a doodle before you go to bed, or a, a, a um, or all the way up to like you know a uh, uh, striking production on a, on a TV show because um, people aren't getting uh, paid fairly or uh, working conditions aren't safe or whatever. But just just generally the idea that that we should quit um, apologizing for for it and, and and for the the craft that whatever your craft is that we should quit you know hiding from it and, and trying to justify you know well you know it's hard to track you know uh, how the money is made in it and this that the other because scott you're, you're right at the end of the day people want to sit down they want to turn on their shows or they they want to read a book or they you know they they want something that is um is produced by uh artists and i'm not saying that we should all you know kiss their ass or our asses or whatever but i'm saying that like it's okay to say you know what what i do is as is is valuable and it is different than say um constructing a building um but they both provide a certain kind of shelter <laughs> into the world <laughs> so that's kind of where i come down on it um i i think i'd like to, to wrap up for uh today because i'm sure we this group could go on for weeks and we would all be very skinny on the other side but uh our pro- argument's probably less coherent <laughs> so i think i think uh we'll we'll end it about here um this is uh an evolving show for me this is this is the first show that i've just decided to take hold of and say this is my thing um this is an exploration this is constantly evolving and i have no idea if the thing we recorded today is going to be one episode or three episodes or two episodes or or whatever i don't really know how that's going to go um so we'll see when it comes out um, and I don't know yet who I'm going to talk to next, but I've got some some leads, and I don't know that I'm going to do an interview every time. I'm going to let this be um, what it what it is, and each version of whatever it is, each time an episode comes out, I'm going to try to make the interest the most interesting version of whatever it is I'm presenting that episode. So um, if you do decide to stay on with the show and, and listen to it, then I promise I'm going to give you uh, something that I at least think is is uh, the most interesting version of itself. And if you hate it, uh, next week it'll be different. So <laughs> try whatever the next one is. Um, but uh, I wanted to take this moment to first thank everybody for being here, but second to extend the openness, the most open of invitations um, without thoughts of schedule or anything else of if you ever want to do one of these uh, with me, you know, to two for a three for a, everyone as a group again, whatever it is. If anyone ever has just something on their mind and they want to um, – call me up and say, Hey, you know, at some point let's do an episode and this is kind of, you know, chewing on my brain. Um, I would, uh, love to have that opportunity. I think that will be a lot of fun. So, um, so hopefully we'll see, uh, all of you at some point, uh, back on the show saying something else. So anyway, um, thanks very much. Uh, you can go to assembler.fm uh, slash, I don't know, well, yet, what? I haven't made up a URL yet, because I don't know if I'm going to go to assembler.fm slash If you just go to assembler.fm, it'll be there. Look on the show's page, look on the front page, it'll be there. Um, I think we're on the, most of the social medias as uh, assembler.fm um, and uh, yeah, and I'll post all the links to the stuff we talked about today in the show notes and I will see whoever is listening and whoever I'm talking to uh, next time. So, there we go the end of the show. Goodbye.